When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome on into another episode of the Dynamic Leaders Podcast. I am Colin. Here with me is my partner, Jamie. If you are new to the show, thank you for joining us. This is a podcast about leadership, culture, sports, entrepreneurship, basically anything that we want it to be, but we try to keep it within the leadership realm and stay a little bit focused and on topic here. Uh, today, we have a couple things that we're going to do, Jamie and I, before we get into our featured guest conversation with Erica Carroll, who is a leadership recruiter for USI Insurance and has the distinct title as being my favorite boss of all time. And we'll get into that a little bit more here in just a minute. But Jamie, first, our housekeeping items. We have to talk about our wins for the week. I made you go first last week. I can go first this week if that's cool with you. Absolutely. That sounds like a good plan. <laughs> okay. So my <laughs> big win this week is something <laughs> I've been waiting a long time to get back on campus and do a little bit of work with student athletes and coaches. And finally, this week starts a little bit of that work again. Uh, we have some upcoming work here in the Charlotte area through the Leadership Academy uh, that I'm going to get to do even with the Delta variant, <laughs> kind of putting a little scare into everybody. Uh, but it looks like it's all going to come through, have a couple of observational sessions and then a couple workshop sessions next week with this team um, in, in the Charlotte area. So super excited about that. I I'm kind of nervous too, because it's, it's been so long. And I was even joking with the coach that I was talking to. I was like, I haven't been on campus since pre COVID. And yeah, that was so long ago now at this point. And um, I know that can probably be said for a lot of people about a lot of things, but there's a lot of nerves in me right now, just getting back out there and hoping I'm going to be sharp. Uh, but I'm certainly excited to be able to actually do some in-person work and to get to meet some new people and uh, meet some people that I've met virtually in person and just kind of bridge that all together. It's super exciting and um, could lead to, you know, even more in the future, obviously. But, you know, while, while things were still not totally out of the clear with this whole COVID mess, um, it, it is nice to see a little bit of normalcy uh, coming back and getting to be a part of it as well, you know, now that the school sessions are starting up. Yeah, I'm really excited for you. I know that's something you've been talking about and had in the works for a long time. So very, very exciting. Um, <laughs> yeah, so my win of the week this week is that I have been interviewing new contractors to train puppies for me, which is 
very exciting, I think, between the move and then um, it's my busiest month that I've had thus far. Uh, as far as business goes, I am so drained. <laughs> so I'm really excited. I'm hoping that will allow me to get some more sleep uh, and things like that and just kind of take care of myself a bit better <laughs> between that and unpacking. But um, it is growing at a good pace and I'm really excited to kind of onboard some new people and get some extra you know, help that also has, you know, experience in pet care that I can learn from and grow from as well. So that's very exciting. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. And I know there's a lot of people who like to have little side hustles and make some extra money here and there. What do you look for in the help that you're trying to, you know, get for your business? What are some things that people are interested, you know, that you're looking for, for your business? So since it's all foundational training, it's not the most important that they have a background in true dog training. We don't do a lot of behavior modification. It's really kind of elementary level stuff that I think, you know, the average person who has pet care experience and a whole lot of patients can (laughs) kind of do and accomplish. Um, So really mostly people who have a passion for animals and who have some kind of professional pet care experience. I'm interviewing a lot of people who have been, you know, handlers at either vet clinics or doggy daycares and things like that. So they need to be familiar with animal care and like specifically dog care and kind of their behavior. Uh, But it doesn't necessarily have to be training. And then something I'm going over on interviews is just kind of, you know, are they patient enough and can they handle the crying in the middle of the night and the accidents and things like that, or the fact that they get into everything and they do create a huge mess. And, you know, I'm asking people to train them in their own homes, which is a huge undertaking. And um, so really patience is a big one, but patience and a passion for puppies. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think that could be one of your new slogans that comes off the tongue right. really nicely. <laughs> well, Jamie Huffman out there killing it. I am so freaking happy for you. I know it's a lot of hard work and I know you got a lot going on, but it's so cool. And I tell people all the time, check out the show notes, Jamie's business in there. If you want more information, please go check it out. But we're going to move into our lead-in segment here for our featured guest, again, Erica Carroll, who's a leadership recruiter for USI Insurance. And what I want to talk about, Jamie, a takeaway that I had from my conversation with Erica is the sacrifice that you have to make as a leader and couple that with the glamorization of leadership. And it's so funny that I guess we're talking about this topic because we're a leadership podcast. And I guess there's probably in a way that we are trying to glamorize the term and the phrase leadership. But it was really interesting talking to Erica, who I mentioned earlier is my favorite boss of all time. And Erica is no longer in a leadership position and it's on purpose. It was her choice. She decided that she wanted to move into an individual contributor role a lot of different reasons. One of the big ones was family and she wanted to spend more time with them. And it made me reflect because one of the biggest reasons that I, and I said this to her on the episode, so I guess I'm ruining it a little bit, but one of the biggest reasons why I thought she was one of the best bosses I ever had was her ability to deflect like all of the unnecessary noise that happens like in a corporate type setting there's a lot of different voices. There's a lot of expectations and 
most times leaders kind of let that stuff seep in. It really affects the dynamics of teams because they can't focus. They can't actually get their work done because they're being pulled in seven different directions. And Erica was so good at being able to deflect that. And I can't imagine the stresses and the pressures that came with that as, as a result. You know, at the time, you're not even thinking about that. And this was, you know, three, four years ago now that we worked together. And, you know, when she left, it was a huge blow. And I was like devastated that she left. And, you know, being able to stay in touch with her all these years later and know how happy she is and um, know that she still has the capability to be a really great leader if that's something that she chooses to do again in the future. You know, that's one part of it. But I also think it was just a really important piece to say that, you know, leadership gets glamorized a lot, but there are so many sacrifices. And I am sure this is something that you are learning you know, as you're leading your company. And, you know, have you ever had a boss or, um, you know, anyone in your life that's come to mind that, you know, made you feel much in the same way? And, you know, now you're thinking about it and you're like, oh, man, they must have must spend some hard days when they got home, you know, afterward, because uh, the sacrifice they made for me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the examples, as I was thinking about this topic, obviously knowing what we we're going to kind of discuss beforehand, um, it wasn't a boss that came up. So maybe this is kind of lame, but my mom really <laughs> shot to my mind. She has, you know, worked in the corporate world forever and she works for Wells Fargo and was Wachovia before that and was with them through the merger. But she I remember, I mean, she was working crazy hours, still tried to make it to every swim meet and cheerleading competition and all of that stuff. But I mean, looking back at, I know the sacrifices she had to make. And now as I've gotten older and even into adulthood and still watching her work that hard, like I now have a greater appreciation for kind of her. She also sort of made a decision that she doesn't necessarily want to go any further as far as the corporate ladder. She's very comfortable where she is and doesn't necessarily want to take on even more responsibility. She's, you know, spread super thin. Um, but I, you know, have kind of been on the other side of it and know how hard it is at the end of the day when someone comes home and they have kids and they want to be there and want to be at everything. But you know, their work is very, very demanding and they're in a very, you know, significant leadership position and it's, it's tough. So I could, you know, hearing you talk about your favorite boss ever, I can totally empathize with that and kind of have a deep understanding of why someone would choose to, you know, step back and still make an impact in their role that they step into, but maybe not have quite as the same level of responsibility. That's an awesome shout out. And it, it's, Got me think I I've had the same reflections, you know, about the sacrifices my parents made, you know, when I was younger with my brothers, you know, having three kids. And it's even got, you know, me and my wife thinking about our future. Are we going to have another kid? Like how that, you know, affects the sacrifices that we need to make and the things that we want to accomplish and be able to do. And it's so interesting that it can be like that. And I think it was really cool that your mom had the self-awareness to, to just say, you know, like enough is enough. I'm, I'm happy where I am and that's okay. Right. Like that's part of the glamorization too, is it's like, you need to keep rising to the top. Like you need to be the CEO of a company right. one day and it doesn't need to be like that. And you can be happy and you can you know, do so many other things probably with your time that don't involve work because your your life isn't so sucked up in, in it and everything. Like, I think it was so cool that your mom had that self-awareness and you know, hopefully it's led to 
a lot of happiness because she's been able to do so many other things that maybe some of her peers wouldn't have or haven't been able to do. Yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> I don't know that she's quite to that level yet. I feel like in order to do that, she needs to take even more off her plate. But she definitely <laughs> hit her left hand where she was like, um, you know, if you know, we want to jump into some of the sacrifices, I think leaders make. I was thinking about that too. And I think some of them are really obvious. It's time with your, you know, family and friends, it's sleep, it's, you know, just kind of sometimes like having the tough days where you're like, everyone is looking to me when something is going wrong and you have to be really mentally tough and strong to deal with it. Um, but other things too, is like, once you get to a certain position, it's like, there's also a lot more responsibility. And sometimes there's liability from a legal standpoint, all of these things. And as you, the further you go in any company, whether you own the company or you're climbing the corporate ladder, all of that increases as you go up. So um, I think that was part of that realization too, for her is just looking at when there was things that were going wrong, it's like, where are they looking? And she still works insane hours. And I think she could do more. She wasn't, you know, working quite so hard. I hate, you know, I wish she had more of a balance in some ways, but, um, you know, she is also very driven and loves what she does, but I do respect the fact that she's like, nope, I, you know, society tells you go as far as you possibly can go. And then just stepping back and realizing that that's not going to make me any happier. And I already am I'm good. I have enough on my plate. Unlike they say in Mean Girls, the limit does exist. Know what your <laughs> limit is. <laughs> Had to throw yeah. that reference in. <laughs> I love that we have Mean Girls quotes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jamie. Well, we will talk to everyone next week. And let's get into my conversation with Erica Carroll. Again, leadership recruiter for USI Insurance. Enjoy the conversation. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Okay, everyone. Today, I am here with Erica Carroll and. Erica, this is, I've been trying to get you on for a long time and waiting for the right time. And now that we're on a professional podcasting network, and I can tell the whole world that you are my favorite boss of all time. And we talk about leadership on this podcast so much. So I thought it was a really great time to finally have you and let you tell people about why you're such a good leader. And <laughs> I know that's a, a loaded way to start this episode of this conversation, but I'll take it back a little bit. And what I'd like to learn from you to start is really simply about your leadership style. You've been in a number of leadership positions in the corporate world, and uh, you're a mom, you're a wife, and you know so much more. So I'd love to learn a little bit about your leadership style, and then we can take the conversation from there. Well, thank you, Colin. Thanks for the opportunity. It's so great to see you again. Uh, wow, you just 
added the whole mom and wife. I wasn't even thinking about that, but those are <laughs> true leadership roles <laughs> for sure. And it is difficult for me to kind of start off and, you know, just I'm randomly talking about myself, but if I were to think about my style and I was thinking about this the past few days, you know, I think I'm probably most aligned with more of a servant type leadership style. I, you know, do not really see myself as a, a micromanager. And actually when I hire people, I even say that. I say, if you are needing a micromanager, this is not the place for you. Um, I just don't see myself leading or, or best leading in that sort of way or function, um, but more along the lines of sort of listening, um, empowering others, you know, uh, conceptualizing, uh, showing steward, stewardness, uh, steward, stewardship, I should say, and just being empathetic and, and being a really good communicator. Um, I really look at my style as more of a, I'm a roll up my sleeves and jump in the fire with my team. And, you know, it's us. It's really not a me and you. Um, I really do believe that, you know, we're all one team and that I'm, I see myself more as a mentor and, and developing, you know, even future leaders um, and, and really just, you know, helping them to do the, you know, go forward in their daily responsibilities, removing obstacles for them. But I would say that that's probably very close to what my style would be. And even as a, a mother and, and a wife, I'm, you know, I consider myself a good listener. I think in life, it, it kind of rolls over because I will have people, random people in stores and, and on the street. I mean, people just come up to me and start telling me their life story. And you know, sometimes that's a good thing, Colin, but if you don't have a whole lot of time, it's not always the best, but um, it, it is something to be said, I think for, I want to say, you know, living life with intentionality, you know, kind of picking up your head, you know, looking around at the world, offering a smile to someone, you know, doing something really nice for someone. I mean, it could be monetary. You could pay for someone's lunch or you could just, just hold a door for someone. I mean, just really engaging with them. You know, networking has always been a big part of my life, just in general. I think if you reciprocate with people, if you do something for them, they in turn just naturally want to do something for you. And it's not that you're going about it to get that one thing from them. It's just a really sort of genuine, authentic type thing. And you want to help them. And then later that can actually turn around and be really good karma for you. So um, I think even in my mother and, and wife uh, leadership life here that it's, it's very similar to my professional. It can be challenging though, because when you're that type of leader and if you have a lot of compassion and empathy, you take a lot of things home with you too. Sure. You know, I think mean, I always found myself in in the way of removing obstacles and for my team so that they could do their day-to-day -day work, but it was to protect them, right? Like I, I'm going to take this for them. I'm going to do this. I'm going to take on this challenge. I'm going to deal with this other senior leader. I'm going to take all of this off their shoulders so that they can focus what they need to get done. But then at the end of the day, that can be pretty bearing on that leader too, knowing that it's sort of all coming, coming down on you. There's a lot of pressure. So, 
you know, being able to kind of separate yourself personally from that is something I, I've always had to work really hard at um, because it didn't come easy to me. Yeah. And it's, it's really funny. I mean, there was, there's a lot, I'm scribbling notes here like crazy because <laughs> there, there's a lot to unpack there. And we were joking beforehand saying how you were going to turn it on me to say like, okay, well, why am I your favorite boss? Like, tell me about, (laughs) tell me about some of those things. And you actually unlocked one of them already there toward the end when you were talking about, I I wrote down the word deflecting. Um, And I think you were really good at uh, taking some of the pressure, the unnecessary pressure off of us, like maybe the people in the trenches per se. um, and, And you owning that and what I'm wondering I mean it's it's great like from my perspective because like nobody wants that nonsense and for you as a leader to take it away it's it's awesome but then when you remember that you're just another person and like you said you have to go home with this like you have to take this home how did how did you said you had to work on it it's been a challenge like what did you have to do to say like okay, I can still be that type of leader where I can deflect some of the unnecessary pressures or unnecessary nonsense from my team, uh, but it not affect me at home or keep me up at night. Like, where did you draw the line and and how did you get to a comfortable place? You know, gosh, it's so tough. I still deal with it today. And, And, you know, I'd almost rather it happen directly to me. Like, you know, something come down on me or a leader come down on me personally, then it would be one of my team. And maybe that's a mothering quality too, because that you just, you take that home with you and you, and you dwell on it and you try not to, um, I don't know, not to hold you know yourself so uh, responsible for that. Right. Um, I do a lot of self-care these days. I, I will say to your point and my, previous point, I haven't always been good at that. So it's actually even made me physically sick, you know, stress can make you sick. Um, so I've really just taken time to, you know, do like morning devotions. I have a masseuse that comes here every other week. So I do a lot of self-care. Um, I remember the line that my mom told me when I was young, not everyone's going to like you, Erica, and it could be nothing you did, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it could be nothing really that you did personally. Um, and, I, and I do look for the areas of imp- um, improvement on things. So I, I try to leave myself and our team up for constructive criticism because we can learn and grow from certain things. And I try to just think um, to myself, look, this isn't a personal matter. And I try to just keep it very separate with know work versus personal but it's tough it's tough yeah i i can't even imagine i mean like you're a leader or you've been a leader in you know these huge organizations i mean we're not talking about you know maybe like one or two people we're talking you know dozens of people that you're responsible for and in addition to that you are leading well at least from my experience in a remote environment which um, now is commonplace, but when you and I were working together was, was less of a mainstream thing. And so, I mean, do you, yeah, it's, it's great to be able to talk to you because you were like me where the remote thing happened before COVID. And now you kind of, I think you can see the before and after, uh, of everything. Um, but where do you see like your strengths playing in, in, in a remote setting? And like, where do you see just in general, like, the things that you have to do to be successful as a remote leader versus, you know, being in person and how different that can be. Yeah. 
there were so many things that you mentioned there that are so true. I mean, after COVID, I really do think, you know, multiple organizations can see now that there may or may not be a need for the actual physical office, right? I think sometimes from crisis, what can come out of crisis is innovation. And you see that happening everywhere, not just with, you know, young, young folks who are out there raising money um, for, for great, you know, causes, but, you know, organizations that are, are looking to allow their, their folks to, to work from home indefinitely, and they're providing them the resources. So, where prior to this, we may have thought of like a customer service or a call center type person as being, you know, needing to be in the office. That is a physical office role. They have to be. It's a call center. Um, but when we saw what happened over the last year and a half, organizations all over the United States and globally very easily picked up laptops and shipped them out to their folks and business went on as business as usual. And so it's been it's been an incredible year and a half, but even before that, when I was working remotely, I'm working remotely now, I think close, I was counting the years the other day, about eight years, and I know this because, and I won't get too far into this, but my reason for going remote, um, I was living in Newtown, Connecticut, my son was six, and we had a terrible tragedy in our school system out there, and I thought to myself, I'm spending too much time on the road, working on the road home, I get home, I have an hour, you know, to feed my child, bathe them, put them to bed. That's it. I need a little more time, work-life balance, and I, I need to focus on that now. So in doing my networking thing, I came across, um, you know, from friends that are in recruiting and was able to get on board with Accenture, um, which is an amazing organization. And that started my remote uh, career, really, is what I would say. And it was challenging, you know, a lot of people said to me, oh, you're not gonna be able to do this, Erica, you're a people person, you need to be in the office. And I said, I am, but do you know what I do? Like I talk to people all day. So I'm, I'm going to be, you know, talking to people, it will be fine. Um, there's some pros and cons, you know, you miss the sort of water cooler, come in, have some coffee, hang out. And I think in one organization where I led talent and acquisition, we actually had a fun committee, which I let, I helped lead. So that was, I missed that. Um, but you know what, there was also the other pieces. So, you know, in an office, sometimes you will have office space, but sometimes you'll have open work areas and our area was open. So during the day, people would come to me all through the day, you know, with different questions or needing something from me. And it really interfered with my work, my daily work. I couldn't get anything done and it became frustrating. So working from home, I think provides such a great deal of flexibility for so many people. I don't think it's for everyone, um, especially or every kind of role, right? Because in sales too, which is what I'm doing now, sales leadership is it's really important to be client facing, but you know, for roles like ours, we can do a lot of these things, you know, virtual. But again, I, I'm not quite sure that it needs a micromanaging element to it. Although different people on a team will require different managerial styles. So sometimes you have to adapt and be flexible. People that require that. I think it's more about um, first of all, definitely over communicating. You need to over communicate away the thing that's remote. There's never enough, you know, calls or emails or just, you know, can you explain to me again? Let's, you know, definitely doing more of that versus less will help um, 
the team and we'll make sure that you're on track in terms of, you know, what your solutions or what outcomes need to be. I think it's about outcome versus activity. And not only that, I think people are productive at times. Um, and I laugh because it reminds me of a time when someone on my team called me and we were chatting about an obstacle. And in the middle of that, she said, I need to go take a nap now, 2 p.m. But <laughs> it's nap time. We hung up that phone. I thought to myself, I'm her manager. She's just telling me she's going to nap at 2 p.m. But you know, I did not let that bother me because that person a great job on the team and really that's all I care about you know your the work that you do and the productivity that you put in will show in your results and if the results are coming um, along poorly then it's just time for a conversation to see where you know where are there things lacking that we need to pick up on and and try to help um, managing expectations that's a big one you know letting people know sort of why we need to do something and you know, the purpose, the why is really important. So there could be a number of different things you ask a team to do and they might comply and do it because they they know you and they like you, but they might they might say to themselves, I'm doing this, I really don't know why. And it does seem like a waste of time. And so the why is really important. So helping your team understand, you know, the purpose and the why, and that can be even more challenging remotely because one-on-one -on -one meetings with your team is very important. Um, in both a, you know, in-person and virtual environment, um, it just, it gives you time to understand what the specific obstacles might be that you can help with or any coaching or mentoring opportunities. I also use that time just to, you know, connect on a personal level with my teammates. Um, and I think it's important. I, I had someone say to me, are you, were you just on a work call? Because you talked for about 20 minutes about their dog. And I said, well, it's important. I mean, if you think about it, teams, you know, that have um, a loyalty to their leader are, are usually really strong teams. The retention is high and loyalty comes from, you know, that closeness and intimacy and getting to know someone and knowing that people care about you. And, it's just, it's a very important piece to sort of that whole team dynamic. And if you think about it, the whole rest of the week, I'm probably shouting out commands and asking for favors and can, can you do that, please, please. So, you know, to take that one time during the week to connect on a personal and family level and, and get to know what's going on in someone's life, it's, it, it can sometimes make all the difference. And it's important being empathetic and listening is all really important in a remote environment. And, you know, doing fun social things too, like having a social happy hour or doing a gift exchange around the holidays or, you know, um, maybe taking a day off to do volunteer work around the community. The, that will help with the engagement. And, you know, we just, we need to use our technology. I mean, it's there. Uh, let's face it, we can work now 24-7, and sometimes some of our leaders ask us to. Um, we need to be able to, yeah, utilize that to our best ability that will help us in our remote settings. It's not going away. Um, we're going to see a lot more of this, obviously, with what's been happening over the last year and a half, and I think it, it will... Um, be a really good thing. You know, it'd be good for families to have that balance. And as leaders, we need to be understanding of sort of the distractions that are going on in people's lives and be flexible to that. Um, and that will help to be 
will provide more of a successful remote environment. Yeah, and I, I like how you you touched upon some things that, because like I think people sometimes feel like the, in the remote environment, you can't do some of the things that you can do in the physical environment. And that's true to a certain extent, but it's also limiting if you're just saying, well, just because we have to do it on Zoom, it's not going to have this the same feeling. Like, you know, 20 years from now, are people still going to be thinking like that? Like, I, I really don't think so because you'll have... Yeah, what is it the the X generation or the Z generation that uh, grew up with screens? They'll be you know largely in the workforce, and millennials will be leading the workforce for the most part. And uh, so you won't have as much of the maybe the friction that comes with some of the old school leaders um, who uh, think the physical space is is the only space where you can have fun and get work done. But um, one of the things that you brought up that I think is really interesting is the one-on-one. And um, uh, that was a big you know, selling point or not selling point. I mean, I was already on the team with you, but uh, one of the reasons that, you know, really made me love you as, as a leader. And I think, um, you know, I can remember when I was thinking about making a move from Syracuse to Charlotte. And I remember calling you and asking you and you were super supportive. And you told me about your move from Connecticut to Atlanta and, or to the Georgia area. And, um, you know, right, right there, like being intentional about getting to know me. And, you know, cause I was nervous. I, I, I just started, I think uh, maybe like a month before and, and I knew it was fully remote role and I didn't think it mattered, but I didn't want to you know, upset anybody. And, um, so I guess what I'm I'm getting at in terms of um, you know your ability to again go back and listen and show empathy and uh, really connect with others like is that an intentional thing like when you go into a call you're saying to yourself like all right we're gonna spend five or ten minutes talking about something that's not related to work like is that something that you're telling yourself before you go into a call with someone like in a one-on-one situation or is it just more of an organic natural thing that happens. Wow, that's a really good question. And I'm going to have to say it it is natural. So I don't know. I, I do think though that it is something that can be learned and really put, you know, if someone puts effort to it, it can be successful, you know, sure. if it doesn't come natural to them. I think I spent a good part of my early career um, when I was much younger, um, probably not doing a lot of that, Colin, and more because I was very focused on learning my, you know, area of which I was in and my career, you know, becoming more confident um, in my messaging and making sure I was as professional as I could be. And now, you know, it's not a trade-off in terms of being less professional in any, for any means. It's, it's more about, um, letting people get to know me too and understand me and being comfortable in myself. And I've realized that my passion for things really comes through when I'm being genuine. And in the career that we're in, in recruiting, especially when we're really excited about an organization or a team that we're working with or a specific role, that will really come across um, as, as a really great selling tool to the candidate. And when you're able to sort of coordinate that with your own personal stories, um, I had one recently that I went to a meeting in Charlotte when I started this organization and the partnership between the leaders in recruiting was, was unlike anything I've ever seen. And it amazed me um, the amount of work that they did together 
and the integrity of what I saw during that meeting. And so when I talk about that to candidates and get them excited, it does come through. It, it is a bit natural for me because I get excited about those things, but you know, I'm allowing myself to, whereas before I didn't, you know, early on in my career, I was like, okay, let's make sure we talk about this, 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 and that. Let's be very careful. We don't want to say the wrong thing, but you know what? Take chances, you know, show someone your true identity, show them who you are, let them become comfortable with you, get to know you. Um, then, you know, you'd be surprised uh, what can come out of that just in terms of a, a relationship. And it might not be something that is fruitful in the moment for either one of you, but it could be something a little bit more down the road too. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know there must be a delineation period where you're saying like, okay, how much, how, how personable can I be with this person and right. not let them take advantage of me um, right. or, or uh, you know, just, just simply not do their work or, you know, whatever, whatever they can, like draw that line between not being general patent um, and, and bullying people or leading through fear, um, but also uh, not being a doormat uh, for people. And, and I think you do, my evaluation is you find you you found a good balance um, between the two, um, but <laughs> I can't imagine there there are days where you're probably thinking to yourself, hey, "Am I am I doing this right?" Like uh, you know, even even though I think I think you are, and you probably think you are, I'm sure there's still days where you like question that because um, you know, especially as you get like higher up into into leadership positions, like I'm sure the pressure just ramps up in terms of you know your job responsibilities and it can be harder at that point to make those genuine connections like have you ever experienced that like as you've continued to go up that it just gets harder to make that time for people yes i mean there's different types of leadership roles obviously and in, in that middle management spot it can be tough and depending on the size of the organization i think it for me at least specifically it came to an uh you know my the amount of time i just had right in a day i just didn't have the time and i needed to you know focus on and getting certain things done so i didn't always have the time to spend you know what i'd like um to to have those very intentional and um you know, fun conversations, but we would still make time. You know, you definitely have to do that. Um, it's interesting what you were just saying made me think of the fact that in terms of being a doormat or, you know, the term you use, but sometimes when you have these types of conversations, it, it definitely can open you up to, oh gosh, and now this person is telling me all these things, right? And did I really want to know all this? And how do I sort of grab back the control of the conversation? Or, you know, how do I get us focused again? And I think you just, that it needs definitely to be intentional. So that piece for me is what's always in the back of my mind. So starting my conversations with my team members and, um, you know, with my leadership style and just getting to know them and seeing how their life is this week has always been very natural, but it really does take intention for me to kind of turn it around, get control of the conversation. Okay. Now we're down to business. What do we need to do here? And, and I think that that's fine as, as long as you're cognizant of it, um, you know what you need to do as you do move up in leadership. I think actually, as you get into maybe very senior leadership, you can start to regain back some of that time again. It's that middle management spot that you can really spread thin, stretch thin. So it, it can be 
challenging. You know, as a leader, one of the things that we talk about, especially when we are um, screening leaders right now for the sales positions, is that the difference between in being an individual contributor and being a leader in a business in a court in an organization is that your calendar is now not your own right when you think about colin the times that you had to set up phone screens with people you know you were mapping that out on your outlook calendar whatever calendar calendar you were using but as a leader people come into your calendar and set up meetings and very quickly you might have a, an eight-hour day with 12 meetings right so, <laughs> Um, your calendar is no longer your own. So just having that awareness going into a leadership role, um, if that's going to be what you want to do, um, it's it's good to know those expectations as well. And, you know, sometimes, you know, having that career trajectory could be a great thing for you now. But from a timing standpoint, um, you could also take a different turn, like a lateral move or try something new. Maybe you go back into more of an individual contributor role versus leadership. And actually, that's what I'm doing now. So I went from leading a team of 30 to now leading a process with a region. Um, and I'm just, you know, mentoring and training a couple of people, but I'm not in that middle management spot currently. Um, so it's leaving such a great amount of time for me to really understand the business and partner with my my current leaders strategically to get the job done. But knowing that about yourself, um, knowing your style as a leader, but or also as a, a contributor is really important. And from a timing standpoint, because you know, life changes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I can <laughs> relate to that in, in some ways. Um, and, and like, I, I love how you talked about expectations in terms of you know, having conversations around the difference between an individual contributor role, for example, and a leadership role. Like, do you find, you know, especially maybe in the role that you're right now where you're trying to identify uh, people in leadership positions, maybe the, uh, there, there might be an opportunity where somebody can come from an individual contributing role to a leadership position. Like, have you ever had a, um, let's call it a mentoring or, or just a real conversation with somebody to say like, okay, I, I just want you to understand, you know, this, this is the difference. Like, again, your time is no longer your own, not trying to scare you away, but do you ever find yourself like having those type of conversations with people when they're, wow. you know, interviewing for these different jobs? Absolutely. You know, I'm very big on being direct and transparent, you know, in a kind way, but I think that number one, people, you know, this role in recruiting, recruiting leadership takes a lot of organization, it takes follow up, it takes, you know, just a multitude of different types of things. You wear many hats, but it's not brain science. That's, I've always said that it takes relationship building and networking. And so, you know, having conversations with people around, you know, whether or not they might be a fit for the role, I think is important. They, they want to know, you know, they want to know honestly your thoughts and maybe also um, what you think might help them get there, right? If this is something that they're really wanting um, as their next step in their career, what's that going to take? And for me to be honest and say, well, you know, you have the sales success now, that's what we look at. And, and really in the roles we're looking at, you don't have to have formal leadership. If you've coached or mentored or done something even on the personal side, we can leverage that and talk about that. Um, but these are going to be some of the challenges you're going to come up against. And, um, 
this is what you need to know from a managing expectations point. The reason why I do that and also our leaders do that, it's not to sort of play good cop, bad cop and try to scare them away from the job. It really is because we don't, you know, we only have a limited time to interview. We only have a, a limited time to get to know someone. We, we don't want that person coming into an organization and six months in saying, wow, you know, this brochure is really not looking like the resort, you know, like, or the resort's not looking like the brochure. It really isn't what they explained to me. So sometimes we'll go out of our way to really push and, and say, look, this is a leadership role. And, and in the role I'm in now, sometimes our leadership based salaries are less than the people that are making, you know, commission right now, but it's a different a different career it's there's other things involved there's other pieces of the compensation that's involved there's other benefits and there's the being a part of the senior leadership team having a, a larger voice within the organization so you know having those selling points to talk through but at the same time you know managing expectations is key i i don't ever believe in just selling something for the sake of selling just kind of getting them in somewhere it's going to be successful, you know, um, not, not in the long run. Yeah. It's always open, better to be open and direct. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I like um, one of the biggest points you made in that, which is going to lead me to some of my, my final thoughts and points here is the limited amount of time that you have like in an interview process. And this isn't like unique to you. Obviously, this is how it is in all organizations for all recruiters, all hiring managers. When we're recruiting people in leadership positions, you only have a, a limited amount of time and you only have the information that you're presented. So asking the right type of questions and getting the information that you need is vitally important when you're talking about people leadership. Um, and, and so I'd like to ask you, um, you, you talked about some of the attributes that make you successful in a remote environment. And I want to now ask you, you know, attributes or questions, how do you get the information that you need in that limited amount of time to say like, okay, this person can actually lead, like, what are some of the lessons you've learned both good and bad about, uh, you know, ways that you've been able to identify leaders who you know, worked out some leaders who I'm sure didn't work out for whatever reason. Can you share with us some tips based on all of that? Yeah. So for me, I think I have a probably a set way that I go about my phone screens, but depending on who's on the other line, it can, it can change that up pretty quickly. Um, I definitely try to get to know the person. I, I want them to sort of go through their background with me and I'm listening in there for very specific things. I'm asking some behavioral type questions, you know, tell me about a time, but I'm also typing my notes and doing it in their voice because I'm, I'm trying to listen for, for certain key things that will stand out. The other part of what I do in my phone screens is I go over the role very specifically because I want the person, again, it's about expectations. Sometimes right away, a, a candidate or a prospect can say, you know what, that's not me. You know, I'm, I'm not actively selling. I'm helping up supporting the salesperson, but I'm not actually the one doing, you know, going out or I'm not the one doing that specific finance role. I'm in the back office. I'm doing bankrupt, whatever the role is. So yeah, just, you know, I think it's really specific to the person on the phone, but you're right. We only will usually have, I, I tried to block an hour. And if we're done before that, then that's great. But 
you want to give the candidate enough time to ask questions as well. And then, you know, work with your partners, you know, you find out from your business partners, you know, some very specific things that is needed in this role. Just aside from the job description, you know, even if you have to go to the team and talk to the team, because sometimes leaders are a little more removed from the actual day-to-day. Talk to the people on the team, you know, use, use that, use the resources you have internally so that when you're talking on the phone or meeting with someone that you could use that time to the best of your ability. Um, But really get to know them as a person too, because the soft skills and the culture alignment to an organization to me can be much more important at times than the technical aspects. Uh, But you know, Colleen, you're not going to get away from this conversation without telling me (laughs) why or what you uh, feel are some of the reasons why you think I'm one of your best bosses. <laughs> <laughs> well, before, before I get into that, um, <laughs> I do, I do want to say you just made me feel really good. Cause I had somebody ask me recently, you know, like what's the difference between finding like really successful leaders versus like most other positions. And I, and I, um, I was caught off guard for the, the question. Cause I wasn't expecting it. I knew what the answer was, but I was caught off guard. So I stumbled for a minute, but then I was like, Oh yeah, it's it's the cultural piece. Like for leadership positions, if the cultural alignment isn't there, like you're asking for trouble. Um, and, and you had said as much um, in in your answer there too. So I just want to highlight that yeah. for people that when it comes to leadership and when we talk about leadership and culture and everything related to that on this podcast, and that's why it's so important. And um, <laughs> so I. I hear that from the people we hire. We ask them, you know, what are the key reasons uh, that you joined and yeah. build culture as being number one? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so to answer your question, it, you've, you've definitely touched on most of the things that I had written down here, but I guess I could dive a little bit deeper into some of them. So what I had written down uh, beforehand here was uh, listening and yeah, I think that you took it a step further and saying that you, you have a lot of empathy to it. And I think that um, that part is very clear from this conversation, but it's also something that um, I didn't have written down, but it, you know, I definitely feel about your, your leadership style as you're very empathetic leader. And so like when, when things were good, we were celebrating when things were bad, um, you know, understanding, uh, but still encouraging. And, and I think that was, you know, it's like it's a lot of times, like if you go to a leader and you voice frustrations, they go on the the positive, like right away. They they don't even acknowledge um, that, you know, you're, you're having frustrations or what those frustrations are. And I always thought you were really good at acknowledging it, um, you know, even giving suggestions in certain cases for how to rectify it, especially if it was something that we could do on, on our own, just need it maybe a little bit of coaching or, or tips from you as to how to go about it. Uh, and, and then, you know, getting us back on the positive, you know, into that healthy uh, mindset. So, um, you know, that was, that was a big thing. Uh, deflecting was the, the one word I, <laughs> I had written down in capital letters. <laughs> so <laughs> that one, um, I, and, and again, like it hurts me to think about, you know, maybe some of the things that, you took home uh, with, with you or, or took you know, away from, from your desk, I guess, in, in that case. But um, it, it did, it made my job easier to not have to deal with, you know, the noise and maybe some of the distractions, whether they were warranted or not. You know, I think what you want from people, 
you know, if you're, if you're a manager and you have people in individual contributor roles, you want them to be able to do the work because they're, you know, quote unquote, in the trenches. They're the ones, you know, really kind of paving the way for, for everything. And so I think you were awesome at that. Um, and then I think you were really good at developing. I tell people all the time, you know, one of my favorite things to do, like from a TA perspective is source. And like when we were working together, that was my primary role. And when I came in, I had a little bit of sourcing experience, you know, hunting experience, uh, but you really taught me how not just like the technical skills, you know, how to do Boolean searches and use the different resources like LinkedIn recruiter, ATSs, job board um, searches and things like that. Um, but you were really encouraging to, you know, be exhaustive about searches, um, like not give up after one or two tries, like look for other ways, use Google Chrome extensions, get involved with associations, meetups online, you know, really going back to your relationship building uh, talk earlier. And I, and I think that, I mean, that made me really good at my sourcing role, but I think that made me just a much better recruiter overall, because like now, you know, I have people say all the time, like, when they're having conversations with me that they've never had a conversation with a recruiter like this before. And I, I think they're being positive about it for, for, the, for the most part. Um, and, and I think it is because, you know, I will, I will take that extra five minutes to, you know, answer additional questions or to address a concern or to, you know, talk about the Yankees or, you know, whatever it is. You know, I think that you always encouraging us to, not give up and to keep trying, you know, different things and, and not just like encouraging us, but like helping us too. Um, you know, when it comes to developing, like, I think it's, it's one thing to want people to get from like the point that they are when they start with you to another. Um, but you were really good at being hands-on, you know, like we would, we would share screens and you would show us, you would drive it for a little while, show us how to do something really quick. And then, you know, let us uh, figure it out from there, or, um, set us up with, with trainings and, you know, different things. And so those I are, know what else to do after that screen. So I was like, take it right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> well, you, uh, you I, I mean, seriously though, like uh, these were just, you know, some of the words that I had written down and some of the things that I was reflecting on when I knew we were going to do this together. I didn't know you were going to ask me the question until beforehand. You said, you know, maybe we, we would do this. So um, I'm glad you did because I think, um, you know, I think it does also provide some insight into saying like, okay, like the perspective of the individual contributor, what makes a good leader versus you know, the leader telling you what makes a good leader. So sometimes they're, they're not aligning things. Right. So <laughs> even another good question. I mean, no, we don't have a ton of time, but like, you know, even going from there to say to people, okay, well, what do you think may have been lacking from the, what, what could you have used more of? And I had someone say that to me recently um, when we were talking about hiring in a new leader, he said, I'm going to go back to the last leader we hired last year and I'm going to ask him if when he came in and he's been here a year now, have we met all those expectations that we talked about in our interview process? Is, was there anything that surprised you? Was there anything that's missing? And I think we don't ask that enough either, right? And and you made a great point before of, of sort of, um, you know, 
<laughs> just being persistent. I call it being politely persistent. <laughs> just politely persistent and calling and you know just outreach and and talking to people um, and just continuing to do that and striving to to just um, over exhaust that search. That's important. But but I was curious to know why because. I mean, it's, it's so, so great. You know, all those things you said, I'm so glad that you um, had a great time on our team. And I always thought from day one that we hired you that it was an awesome hire. So I'm glad to see you continuing in, in your career. And I always do say that I, if I ever had the opportunity to work with you again, I would absolutely take it. So that would be great. Maybe one day, you never know. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, those are just some really good things to think about too um, on the flip side. Yeah, I like you said. I, I don't think we we ask those type of questions. You know, those are the the difficult conversations. Like nobody wants to admit that they they have faults, or maybe that they um, painted a picture that wasn't exactly you know what it ended up being. But you know that that's how you the the fastest way. You know, getting that critical feedback, I think, is the the fastest way to improving. Like some of the other things, you can still improve. But if you're already good at something, like yeah, how much better can you get at something? It's where some of your challenges and weaknesses are that can really take you from, you know, if, if you're a B leader, when, when you start uh, and you start working on some of those gaps uh, that, that can take you from a B to an A much quicker than if you keep working on your strengths and keep ignoring your weaknesses. I think that's what you were getting at. Yeah. Being open to that is important and it's, it's difficult. You know, people can get defensive or they can think, you know, but, you know, I was, Thought I was doing the best I could do, and and now I I'm understanding that there's more I can improve on. Well, we all can improve on things, so um, I think that that's that's a really uh, you know you have a good level of emotional intelligence when you're able to sort of get through that and and work to to improve yourself even more. But yeah, great. I've really enjoyed my time with you. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you, Erica. This has been such a treat, and I think that we will definitely have time to do this again in the future, we're going to have people that say, Oh, let's, let's bring the best boss back on. So it's, it's going to happen. I'm, I'm already calling it right now. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> well, thank you again so much, Erica, for your time. We really appreciate it. And uh, I hope someday that we do get to work together again. That would be really great. It totally would. Thanks, Colin. Have a great one.